Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Grab your notes, grab your Bible, grab your journal. We are in week two of a series, and we're calling the series Reset, and we're having a conversation right now about your interior world. And uh, many of us know, right, we are under enormous pressure, and today, I think this has always been true, but we are under enormous pressure right now in our world to uh, think about only our lives in terms of the external, everything that everybody sees, Everything that we're, um, you know, posting on our social media platforms and all that kind of stuff. There's such inordinate amounts of pressure on our external world. But here's what we're saying right now in Reset in this series. The way of Jesus, the way of Jesus more and more and more and more is about our interior world and how we're doing it. It's it's really what... what, the writers of scripture, even Jesus, referred to as our soul. We can remember that strong challenge that he offered when one time under a, 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 a moment of, of intense scrutiny and ministry and the disciples were questioning all these different things, Jesus said this. He pointed to somebody, he said, what does it profit a person, right? To gain the whole world and yet to lose their what? Soul. And so this is a conversation that we're uh, having right now that we're talking about. I remember my first experience when I first heard of this idea that sometimes is referred to as our inner world. Uh, I was, again, in seminary, and I, I was asked to read a book entitled Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. And, and in, in this book, here's what Gordon, the whole premise of the book is basically this. Our soul is the operating system of our lives. And so as our soul goes, either as it develops and matures or as it recedes and morphs into something else, so goes all of our life. And so this is a conversation um, right now that we're having and uh, we're using, we're having the conversation in, in a unique way. But uh, you know, it's sort of, I, I think about it this way. This is sort of the inner world, and this is sort of the operating system. This is the thing. I got to tell you all this at the front end of this message. In 34 years of ministry, now I know I look like I'm 25, <laughs> but in 34 years of ministry, I've never uh, been called along anyone's bedside near the ending of their life, and they wanted to talk about all that they had achieved, all that they had uh, you know, all that they had uh, purchased, that they had come to own. I've never had any conversations like that, but I have had more conversations than I can count when I've been invited to, to somebody's bedside and they see the ending of their life out there. They want to talk about their soul. Uh, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, actually said it this way. He said, life is not about what you achieve or what you own. It's about who you become. And so right now we're having an important conversation around this. And I think of it this way. Um, we are using, we're using the, the months of summer to help us because summer is a time, right? When we, 
we sort of click into a different rhythm, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? Remember that? Y'all remember that song, Summertime. And the living is easy. How many of y'all remember that song? Catfish are biting and the cotton is high. Your dad is rich. I never under... I kind of want to move on right now. Um, I was thinking about that this week. Uh, Many of y'all know I have a grandbaby. And I'll show you a picture of my grandbaby. I think across summer, I'm going to do a picture every week of my grandbaby. Y'all should have that. But Haley was telling me, she called me this week and she said, Dad, Mac's doing something new. I said, what's he doing? She said, he's sighing. So right now, you know, we're, we're looking at every little thing. He doesn't know he has arms yet. He's flailing around. And she said, he's sighing. And she said, she said, why do babies sigh? And I told her, I said, oh, he's already bored with us. <laughs> and she goes, I don't know. And she, goes, she told a friend, apparently she reached out to a friend. She said, Mac is sighing. And her, her friend sent her back a meme that said this, um, why do babies sigh, you little unemployed freeloader? I told Ailey, I said, don't talk about my grandbaby like that. But anyhow, uh, this is the kind of thing we're thinking about in the summer, we have a different rhythm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading about a guy that really impacted culture back in the day. His name was Norman Rockwell. How many of y'all ever heard of Norman Rockwell? And uh, Norman Rockwell, there's a picture of him. He was, um, he was the illustrator for the Sunday Evening Post. He illustrated for over 50 years the Sunday evening post that's a that's a lot of illustration and some of some of these pictures that he has are just embedded into our culture one here's a picture some of his famous ones anybody know who this is Uh, (laughs) it's 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 Rosie the Riveter I heard that over there and uh, that, that's one of the most famous ones he ever did. I want to show you one that's one of my famous uh, favorite ones. This is just simply called The Shiner. <laughs> and look at here's girl, got an argument. Here she is, principal's office. I, I, you guys are not as popped about that as I was. I thought this was really cool. But there's one that he did years ago, and this kind of gives you the idea of the summer. It's called The Outing. And here, right? Here's a family on their way to vacation. Now look at all of the imagery of how excited, like every, all the energy and look at the dad here. And then uh, look at, here they are coming back from the outing. (laughs) Right? Some of us know what that's like. I used to drive my kids to Texas and this could actually be me right there. That's, there it is, right, right there. But summer, summer is a time when we used to focus on some different things. And, um, and so right now in this season, that's what I want to do. And we're using the natural rhythm of summer to talk about some important things. And, and uh, we are, we're talking about four of the classic rhythms of the Christian experience. And here's what I'm thinking about this series. This is not... This is not, we're not lighting the room on fire. Uh, this is not, um, this is not 
profound new content for everybody, but here's what I do think. I do think it's incredibly challenging because the way of the Christian experience is, is a deeper conversation about what's happening inside. And so right now in our, in our lives, what we're, we're looking at, actually the rhythm, is we're, we're looking at Psalm 23. It's the most um, prolific and the most well-known verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's even more well-known than John 3.16. Uh, almost any time I do a funeral, even when I do funerals for people who have zero connection to community of hope or zero connection to faith, they'll often say, hey, would you read Psalm 23? Because there's just something about it. It's 3,000 years old. And uh, so we're looking at some of the natural rhythms in it. And uh, I thought we would do this. I told our teaching team, I said, here's what I want to do. I said, we read it last week in the verse, in the, in the translation that we often use when we're preaching God's word that I ask all of our pastors to do on all of our campuses to preach from the NIV version. And, uh, but I could tell when we read it last week, there was some, there was some sense where people are like, wait a minute, this feels a little different. So uh, this morning, I'm going to do you a favor and we're going to read it again this morning out of uh, Psalm 23. We're going to read it out of the King James Version. Like Trevor said last week, the version that Jesus read from. <laughs> so if you're with us, here's what we do at Community of Hope. We stand for the reading of God's word. And here it is, Psalm 23, for all of you King James people. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. (laughs) Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Uh, God, would you come? We welcome you here. Uh, We have worshiped you. Uh, We have oriented our lives around your truth. And we want to do that again uh, in this space. Uh, We would ask that in Jesus' name, you would give us the ability to hold intention in this space or Uh, or online, uh, the opportunity, God, to hear your truth and to hold our lives up against it, and then courageously ask that you might help us to see our lives through the lens of Holy Scripture, so that, God, this might be more than just a religious experience. It might be the thing for us that becomes life 
and breath. For we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, if you were with us um, last week, um, Pastor Trevor uh, started our series uh, by helping us understand the first rhythm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we really talked about this word, the first rhythm, which is simplicity. And uh, I thought he was really challenging in a way because really what he offered to us, the way that I wrote it down in my notes to, that the that uh, Lord really talked to me about, it was simply this, be, I was thinking of it this way, beware of owning too many things because the more you own, the more it owns you. Is that what you heard? That's what I heard. And uh, so we are uh, people who live in a world that um, tells us so many important things uh, to grab our attention that at the end of the day are wood, hay, and stubble. And so this is an important part of our conversation that we would have about just living more simply. Uh, and today, um, I want to I switch us into a, the, uh, the second rhythm that I think comes uh, in, and it happens, I think, in this verse of Scripture. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, this is what I was going to say. Thank you, Lynn. The companion to what uh, Trevor was saying, right? Jesus said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. This morning, I want to uh, shift back to Psalm 23, the second part in the second rhythm, where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. And uh, I want to talk to you about the, pro- the practice of, we're going to say, slowing. Everybody say that word, slowing. Now, I know that's a profound thing to talk about. And let me give you a definition of it. Slowing actually means cultivating patience, right? Some of you right now are going, I should have gone to that other church this morning (laughs) because we're going to have a conversation about about this. And this is a super important conversation because um, this is something really that we have to cultivate. It's not new to us or natural to us. In fact, what I would say is this. It's not natural to us uh, anymore. Now, uh, I think we've said before, a lot of times when we're communicating on a weekend, there are some times that, you know, there are those messages that when I'm communicating uh, to you guys on a weekend, this is something that I've fully embraced in my own life, and so I can preach from a little bit of a standpoint of, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. This is a message this morning I'm preaching as one struggler to another. Because how many of you admit uh, your problem actually is not slow? How many of you would say, just come on, there's more than four of us in the room. Your, pro- your problem is not slow. How many of you would admit your problem is fast? Yeah, a bunch of liars in here. Okay. Here, that, that is a struggle. And, and I think about this because this is, this is my life. You guys have heard me say in the early days of our church, uh, I had this mental image, this mental picture 
when Beth and I were playing in Community of Hope was this idea of, remember Indiana Jones, you know, when he grabs the jewels and he turns around and the thing opens and here's the ball that's going to come run over him. That's been my image, you know, early days. Many of you have even heard me say that, you know, when, when, when I pull into my neighborhood, there's only one street in, there's one way in, one way out. And most of the time when I'm pulling into my neighborhood, there's this last car that pulls in ahead of me and they drive four miles an hour. And I, I tell them, I tell Beth all the time, I said, it's the devil. And she said, it's the Holy Spirit. Not the devil, because you need to slow down. So most of us uh, know this idea, but there's actually a thing that uh, around this, that they're studying right now in our culture. I've mentioned this before, and it's actually a condition that they write about, and it's called hurry sickness. How many of you would ever wonder if you have hurry sickness? Don't look at your neighbor, look at me. And so I want to talk to us about that. In fact, there's a test, and I want to give it to you. Okay, here's the test. You're at a stoplight. You're at a stoplight, and there are two lanes of traffic. Do you ever find yourself guessing, based upon the year-making model of the car, which car actually pulls away from the light faster? You have hurry sickness. Number two, you're at a grocery store and you have a choice between two checkout lines. Feels very awkward in this room right now, I want to say. Do you ever find yourself counting how many people are in each line and evaluating what they're buying to best gauge which line is faster? Okay. All right. here's Here's another one. This is if you have a bad, particularly advanced case of this. Do, do, you, do you ever track the person who would have been you in the other line? And if that person, if, that, if you beat that person, you feel better about yourself. There are people right now just repenting of their sins. And if they beat you, you leave the store silently discouraged. Okay, right. A lot of us have this. I I would even confess to you that um, this is something that I battle in my own life. Um, Beth and I often take Fridays, you know, um, Fridays is kind of our time. And we will, a lot of times, we, we, we will say it this way. We love our house. So on Fridays, you know, we're going to mow, we're going to clean the house, and we make a reservation, we try to go out to dinner. And uh, we could have this mo- the most beautiful day uh, being together, and then, then we go out to dinner, and here's the weird thing, it's all great. And I'm almost embarrassed to confess this, and then I pull up into the parking lot of the restaurant, and other people are pulling into the restaurant too, and something just comes up in my soul. And something just takes over. And I have to tell you, on more times than I count, here I, uh, than I can count, you know, here I am with my wife, and I will whip up in front of everybody to, and go, get out, get in line, and get in there first. <laughs> and she's like, but they're from our church. I know, get in line and pull. <laughs> Mr. Romantic I am, right there. 
You know, this is the weird thing about our culture, right? Here's what I was reading this week. Um, still the, 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 the largest selling shampoos in, our, in America are the ones that offer the shampoo and the conditioner in the same bottle. Isn't that weird? We uh, have we eat food in our in uh, we eat food across the week not because it's good not because it's cheap but because it's what fast. Domino's became the largest selling pizza maker in America because they promised delivery when thirty minutes or less. It's a deal. And so here's the interesting thing that I want to remind everybody. Again, nothing necessarily profound, but something deeply challenging about this conversation. Here's what I want us to remember. Jesus never did anything in a hurry. Think with me for a moment or two about his life. Um, He was reluctant to do his first miracle at a wedding, even at the bidding of his mother. Because if you remember reading the scriptures, he told her, my time had not yet come. Um, We don't have any example in all of scripture where Jesus um, hurried or rushed to anything. He just took his time. Uh, We have a couple of, I think, more provocative examples. One time when Jesus was with the disciples walking through a particularly crowded area, he was so absolutely present to the moment that he felt a woman touch the hem of his garment and he stopped the disciples in the crowd and said, who touched me? Remember that? And do you remember that moment when when, when almost there's this sense where the disciples almost push back to him and say, Lord, I mean, you, you see the crowd? You see all these people? You're asking who it is who touched you? But Jesus was so present in that moment that he knew that touch was different. And he responded to it. In what may be the most bizarre example of exactly what I'm talking about, something we preached on a few weeks or months back, was in an example that Jesus never uh, didn't even rush to the side of his friend Lazarus at the constant begging of his sisters, Mary and Martha, that Lazarus was near death. And the Bible says that when Jesus heard that word, he lingered two more days. If you and I are going to be followers of Christ... um, and really embrace the way of Jesus, which I want to just say is life and breath to us, okay? We're going to have to take on the rhythms that Jesus embraced. And Jesus never did anything in a hurry. Well, I was thinking about this and um, actually just really thinking about, you know, what could I offer to you that would be something that you would, um, that would be helpful? Uh, the last thing really I want to do is, is, is lift up an ideal that is so impossible that we leave here defeated. Because here's what we all know, right? We're not, we're not Jesus, 
The Bible invites us through the writers of Holy Scripture to, to become like Christ. And uh, I think if, if we're going to do that, there, there are some things that I think we need to be reminded of. Now, for some of us, it could be new. But my sense would be for many of us in this room and those listening online, it's just, it's a reminder. And, and summer's a great time to embrace what is best about the Christian experience, what's going to help us in these cultural moment we find ourselves in. And here's the first thing. We, the first practice I would offer to you is simply this. It's the practice of slowing down. Now, if you remember, just a few moments ago, I gave you a definition, and I said, um, if we're going to talk about slowing, we're going to say slowing is cultivating patience. Let me give you the rest of the definition for that. Cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. I'm just going to let that settle into the room for a moment. Many of you have heard me say before that after we accept the love of Jesus into our heart and we recognize that when Jesus uh, paid for the sins of the world, Really, we become Christians, we become followers of Jesus by embracing and realizing that when, you know, when he paid for the sins of the world, he paid for your sins, my sins. That's kind of the line of demarcation, right? So after the line of demarcation, you guys have heard me say this. This is a natural thing that we preach from uh, all the time. I think Jess said it even most recently it's that um, after we do that, we, um, we really become disciples and followers of Jesus by learning to embrace certain beliefs. We become open about certain things about the way the world works. We embrace a, a, a new set of ideals, a new set of beliefs, a new set of convictions, if you will. And I can remember when I first became a follower of Jesus, just this voracious sort of appetite around letting God form the inner parts of my character by just changing some beliefs. Isn't that, isn't that what one of the writers of Scripture says? Let God renew you by changing the way you think, okay? Which has to do with what we believe. Then secondly, right, it's what we put in practice, so we take these core beliefs and then we put those core beliefs into practice. And if, if we have the right beliefs, watch this, if we have the right beliefs and we have the right practices, which is what I'm talking about right now in this moment, this, these, the, the fruit begins to develop in our lives. We can't, we can't just command the fruit to happen. The fruit develops as we have the right belief and as we have the right practice. So this is kind of really what we're talking about when we're talking about this idea of slowing. We have to cultivate patience. And the only way, put that back up there again, Lynn, if you would. The only way we cultivate patience is by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Now, can we all be honest in this room? Isn't that, there's something about that that's deeply challenging and deeply opposite of the way we live? In fact, I thought, how could I be really, really helpful to those of us who are really trying to struggle with this? In fact, I even thought of some places. When you leave here, 
drive over to Home Depot (laughs) and just get in the return line. You don't even have to have anything. They won't get to you for hours. It doesn't matter. Or, or, or get in, get in, and when you leave Home Depot, get in, in on State Road 7, get in the left turn lane to turn west on Southern Boulevard. And if you're particularly spiritual, get in the inner left turn lane to wait for the cars that are going to wait uh, for those that are rounding the right-hand turn so they can make a U-turn, you could spend a large portion of your life right there. <laughs> this is how you cultivate patience by choosing to put yourself in positions. You know, here's the interesting thing. Our modern world has said this, we have to hurry we have to multitask and we have to divide our energies around many different things to be the most productive. Here's an interesting thing. They recently did a study on that, those who, sociologists who study this thing, and they find no correlation, zero correlation to multitasking and going faster that that equals increased productivity and effectiveness. It's a lie. Here is something they have noticed. They've noticed for those of us who stay in a, in a posture of speed as the primary orientation of our life, listen to this. They have noticed we receive love less and we give love less. They're tracking a thing, they call it this, they call it sunset fatigue. Interesting, right? It's you go so fast during the day when you get back home to be with the people that matter the most, you've got nothing left to give. A couple weeks ago, Beth was, um, had flown out to be with her mom. And she needed to be out there for a few days. And so I put her on the plane and, and did all that. And, and I was um, going to make time to go up to be with my mom. I thought Beth is going to be with her mom. I'll, I'll use this opportunity one evening to go be with my mother. And my goal, my, my outside goal was just, you know, I was going to ride up. I was going to ride up and just take her to dinner. Uh, which is something I do. And, uh, and then in the middle of the week, I had to call my mom because I received word about one of her friends who had passed. So I called her and I told her. And to be honest with y'all, my mom, my mom burst into tears in a way I've not heard her cry in a long time. And I knew they were close. I knew, I knew all of that. But then when, she, when all of that kind of subsided, she said something to me I'll probably will never forget. She said, that was my last close friend. They're all gone. And that hit me at such a level. 
I cleared my calendar the rest of the evening. And uh, I drove up there and I said, uh, when I got there, she was expecting to go to dinner. And I said, I'm going to spend the night. I know. (laughs) That's who I am. Um, I'm going to hear about that. Here's what I want to tell you. Um, I bank some memories there that I'm going to have forever. But, but here's really what I want to point out. There was everything within me that was um, pushing against that. I'm embarrassed to tell you that. This stuff does not come natural. Uh, but it's the right thing. When you study the life of Jesus, you, you discover that Jesus was intentionally slow and intentionally on purpose. You also discover that Jesus was forever going away, which I just want to kind of point again to this issue of practice too. I, I would call it, uh, I think it's solitude, I would say. Study the life of Jesus, and he was always going away. Even in moments, this is what's so profound for me as a, as a pro, quote unquote professionally religious person. If Jesus was a professionally religious person, even in the moments when there was so much ministry activity that you would think you would rally everybody together, divide the team, we're going to go out and do more. Jesus would often retreat to lonely, desolate places in order to what? Pray. He just intentionally practiced slowing and solitude. One of my favorite quotes comes from the author of Another Generation, Ian Bounds, where he says this, the men and women who've most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for him have been the ones who spend so much time with God so as to make it a noticeable feature in their lives. Can I just ask all the Christ followers in the room, how you doing with quiet time with God? See, I, I think even in our relationship with God, if we're not careful, we can struggle with sunset fatigue. We just don't have anything left. And then as a result of that, right, um, all our prayers really to God are just the 911 kind of prayers. Lord, be with me today as I run 900 miles an hour. I've been taken by this idea. And I noticed that Jesus, when he practiced these values of simplicity and slowing and solitude, I, I think what, what really um, developed or was present in his life, which is something I think we're all looking for, which is deeper peace in Christ. It's totally possible. In prep for this series, I've been reading a classic book. I commend it to you. I'll show you a picture of it. I think we have a picture of it. 
It's Philip Keller's book entitled, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And uh, I thought it was interesting about this verse of Scripture. He says, um, he says, the verse that we're looking at today, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, he makes me lie down in green pastures. A couple, couple years ago, I, uh, I fell off a ladder putting up Christmas lights, tore my ACL, got a new ACL. I wish, the, I, wish I had a better story than I, I did. I have to make one up. <laughs> and... Uh, and I had some surgery, and I, it, it was going to take me a while to get over that. And uh, I, I've always read that phrase differently. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? He can make you lie down in green pastures. And, uh, but anyhow, um, Philip Keller says about that phrase, shepherd, uh, he said, sheep will only lie down. I want you to notice this real quickly. We'll be done. He says this. He says, sheep will only lie down. There are four things that have to be present. The first one is this. They have to be free of all fear. Sheep will never lie down unless they're free of all fear. Number two, that they're free from any friction of their kind. Interestingly, they're very communal. So other sheep, if they're not getting along with other sheep, they won't lie down. Isn't that funny? Bizarre, right? Number three, they're free from any pests or parasites. And then lastly, number four, they're free of any want. And, and, Philip Keller, as a shepherd, writes, if these four things are going on, a sheep will do something that's very uncharacteristic to sheep. It'll lie down. But here's what Philip Keller says. The shepherd is 100% responsible for all of those things. So see, at the end of the day, it really is, it really is about anchoring and centering your life around Jesus. Can I be honest with you? I'm praying this over what happens this week in our student camp. I find our students need so desperately to hear that there's another way to orient your life. Right? But can I be honest? It's not just for the students. Many of us have been lulled towards something different. And here's what I want to say Jesus is saying Come on back. Come on back. All who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your what? Soul. Lord, would you be with us? Would you show up in ways God might not be the most profound thing? But these are lessons, Lord Jesus, we so desperately need to hear. Uh, I pray that you would use these few moments remaining in our service as a way to help us anchor and come back to or begin for the first time this that we so desperately need to understand and embrace. For we pray together in Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. You know, Lord, it strikes me that um, that, that song uh, can't ever become true in our own lives by just singing that you're our one defense. 
we have to put some things in place to let you be our one defense and our righteousness. And a lot of what the world is going to call out of us is the exact opposite of that. And Lord, remind us in this space, we don't drift our way into righteousness and we don't drift our way into meaningful relationships with you or with others. We have to put some stuff into place. So give us the power and the courage to do that. Give us the grace when we fall short. For we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, amen. Go in his grace. We'll see you next weekend.